0: Hi, this is Steve. In 1991, a couple of buddies and I drove down to San Diego to attend our very first Comic-Con. I was a struggling writer trying to break in, and they were both comic book artists. It was the middle of a comic's boom, and attendance that year was the biggest in history, with over 15,000 people crowding the show floor. Back then, we dreamt of a day that the rest of the world would appreciate the art form and characters we love so much. This week... Over 160,000 fans will descend on San Diego and in many ways our dream from all those years ago has come true. Although sometimes you have to be careful what you wish for. Comic books now dominate mainstream entertainment in ways we couldn't possibly have imagined. And characters which were once relegated to the dusty back rooms of comic shops are now pop culture icons worth billions of dollars. And if you were to look for one moment The one event that fundamentally changed the way Hollywood saw superheroes. You couldn't do much better than the film that launched the Marvel Cinematic Universe, 2008's Iron Man. Starring the great Robert Downey Jr. directed by Jon Favreau and produced by Kevin Feige, who would go on to become one of the most powerful men in the entertainment industry, Iron Man is more than just a good film. It's a game changer. So, that's 2008's Iron Man, this Friday, on the Cinephiles. Oh, and one more thing. We know we're breaking our 10-year rule for this one. Want to know why we did it? Well, you'll have to download the episode to find out. Truth is... I am Iron Man. Hello, and welcome once again to the Cinephiles, where each week we enter the world of a great film. We explore its themes, its history, the filmmaking, and the influence it has on us today, and this one... It's got a lot of influence. It really does, and I'm very happy that we're talking about it, Steve. Yeah, my name is
1: Steve Morris. I'm a (laughs) filmmaker and directing instructor in Los Angeles, California. Hi, I'm John Rocha. I'm a voiceover artist, host, and actor here in Los Angeles. Apparently, people are upset that I'm saying, and occasionally
0: an actor. I am. Own it! I'm 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 upset. Well, well, you know, I understand your definition, which (sighs) is your definition is... A professional actor must be working professionally constantly constantly, and you don't feel like you reach that level no but i know you yes you can fucking act and you are (laughs) therefore an actor it's very kind of you you know like like the 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 sad insidious and chaotic world of hollywood's approval does not change who you are (laughs) wow that's my opinion this I,
1: i love that Please, someone record that and like save that as an inspirational thing for yourself and me. <laughs> I would appreciate that.
0: That's awesome. Um, so, so uh, today we're talking about a film, uh, and we're actually going to break our rules for the first time. Um, this is monumental. Yes, this is huge. Um, the the film is Iron Man. Yes, and. Uh, And it was made in 2008, or released in 2008. (sighs) Yeah. And our rule up to this point has been the film has to be 10 years old. Right. And I thought this was a good chance, particularly for those of you who maybe are new to the podcast, to kind of explain how we came up with this rules, and then we could kind of say why, sure. why why we broke them Sounds good. Um, in this case. And it's that this all goes back to us having lunch one day mm-hmm. at Wood Ranch Barbecue at the Grove. <laughs> plug, plug, plug. Plug. Send us some free meals. <laughs> Please. Um, and uh, we were talking about what we wanted to do as a podcast. And one of the first things we said was we wanted to do something that was positive. Yeah. Like, we don't want to, you know, there's so many, there are a lot of terrible movies, and there's a lot of good reason to tear them down. Yeah. But I, I didn't want to do that, you yeah. know? I wanted to do something positive. And we also didn't want to do something that was current because there's so many great podcasts, including a bunch that you do... Thank you. ...that talk about current movies and what's out now and, yeah. and analyzing them just to death. We wanted movies that sort of had stood the test of time. And that's mm-hmm. how we kind of created this 10-year rule.
1: Well, that was also because because we would always talk about films that were older. Yeah. And we would get into it and, and really explore the themes and the idea. Like, this, this podcast is basically us having a lunch conversation. And Absolutely. So, and so this it just... Was brought out from there so we wanted to limit it to films that we absolutely adore respect love and have appreciated over time right and so you can't really do that with a film that came out three years ago or two years ago and we kind of arbitrarily a, a film what two two ten years before our before right. two thousand
0: seventeen? So we wanted to hit that it. That's the key rule, yeah. thing is we picked a time arbitrarily. Yeah, we did. Yeah, and the other rules, just so you know, is when we have guests on, they're not here to talk about their own work. Right. Because there's again, there's so many great podcasts where you hear people, movie stars, and producers, and directors, and writers endlessly talking about their own stuff, yeah. and that's great. Mm-hmm. But we wanted to do a movie, just as this is a podcast about what inspires us. Yeah, we wanted to hear what inspires. Everyone else, right? And for them to talk about what they love, yeah, you know. So those are our main our main rules. Mm -hmm. And the reason we're breaking it is that uh, Comic Con is coming up. Yes, it is the mecca for all things geek. Mm -hmm. And we were thinking about what film could we talk about that really relates to that. Mm -hmm. And 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 the reason we want to do this and why we think it's worth breaking our rules is that Iron Man. Launches the Marvel Cinematic Universe and there really might not be anything more important in film to the way movies are made today than Iron Man
1: Yeah, exactly and it's really changed the whole summer season like the tent poles are now superhero films, right? I mean we would had X-Men we'd had Superman we'd had Batman going back to 89 We'd had Superman back to 78 and we'd had these other films that have come up but Iron Man launches an entire universe right so there's more here and there have been so many films that have come off this and the DC people, DCU people, saw what Iron Man did and said, "Okay, we're going to relaunch ours." So it's just, it just kind of a lot kind of blossomed from this one film being incredibly successful that people did not know was going to be successful. Oh no, no, no it not was. A, yeah, yeah not,
0: no one expected it yeah, to be this exactly, successful. Exactly. Um, so, I, in order to get into this, normally I'd ask you how you first came to the film, right? But I want to ask you, how did you first come to Marvel Comics and Iron Man? Oh, gosh, yeah. That was being
1: a kid growing up in a small town in Virginia in Dale City. Um, I used to go to the comic book shop all the time over in Woodbridge. And uh, in uh, Marumsco Plaza, I would go over
0: there. And uh, Dark Knight Returns was my first comic that I, I ever just read. I can't believe that is like you start at, at one of the top five comic books of all time. <laughs> it was
1: so random because, like, I Ed had heavy. I mean, yeah, that's, yeah, that's heavy what I'm you know, I was saying. I was 15 years old at the time, and I had seen, I had, like, of course, read comic strips, but it wasn't the same thing, right? And I had not collected comics. So when I did that, I went in there and I started, and so I was like, I need more. So then I started reading Iron Man and Spider Man and X Men. So that was the the entry point, was Dark Knight Returns. And then that from there, because we would meet in the back the comic book shop every <laughs> Saturday for like three hours. There was a group that would just all sit there after they closed the comic book shop and we would just read. No one would say anything, hardly anything and you would just sit there and read bunch of nerds sitting around reading comic books for three hours. It was great. It's, you could read whatever you
0: wanted. It's so funny for because <laughs> for those of you who... Our, our non nerd listeners, yes. and I'm assuming we have at least a couple. At least um, that that you don't know the joy of the back of the comic book store. Yep, or that world that you just described. I can I literally can smell it. Yeah, you know, and see all the stacks of all all the stacks comic stacks books and just be yeah. so excited of yeah. like, oh my god, I could be here all day and read. Yeah, absolutely, you know.
1: Yeah, I'd ha- I'd always get the call. My mom going, okay, it's time to come home. She would call the comic book shop, and they'd have to pick up at that point. I'd I love go, that, but it was, it was great. great.
0: Yeah. Um, so for me, uh, I've already told my Story of how I got into comic books on the Superman episode. So Mm -hmm. I'm not going to go into the whole thing here because for those of you who haven't heard it, I think you should go back and listen to the (laughs) Superman episode (laughs) with our guest Michael Vogel. It's a fantastic episode. Absolutely. One of our very first ones we ever did. Um, But I will say, my dad introduced me to comic books, but he introduced me to DC comics. Uh, So I read Superman, Batman, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And I only saw a couple of Marvel comics every once in a while because that was what was at the 7 Eleven or whatever. Right. And so I didn't really know them until maybe the mid 80s and the my intro to Marvel was really the Frank Miller Daredevil series. Yes. Which is still one of the great runs in comics, I still, bar none. I still
1: have the first issue of every one of those. It was they're, so fantastic. They're
0: so good. Yeah. They're amazing. Mm-hmm. And that kind of led me into starting to explore other comics. And then in 1988, I got a job working at a comic book store. <laughs> and lucky so bastard. I was actually working at that place <laughs> where people were coming in to read all day and yeah. when no one was in the store I just read so I started on Spider-Man number 1 and read them all up yeah. to that point I read all the X-Men I read I just read and read and read and I'll tell you Iron Man was pretty far down on the list. Yes, it was. Yeah. And and only
1: because Stark is not really an appealing character. They took the billionaire like narrative from Batman, but they gave him they gave him all this they made him an asshole. They made him yeah. a womanizer. They made him like a drunk. A drunk, right? they had the whole alcoholic storyline. There's so much about him that wasn't necessarily something you gravitate to. Plus he's so he's so just kind of good with the with the goatee and the beard and he was always so aloof and critical and cocky. Yeah. It wasn't something that you
0: gravitated to as strong as you would with Batman or Superman Well and we should talk a little bit about how he comes to be so he's yeah. created by created officially by Stanley yes and Stanley alone mm-hmm. and this is one of the great one of the two great crimes in comic book history the other one being Bill Finger yes. and Bob Kane Bill Finger is the person who really co-created Batman with Bob Kane. Bob Kane has gotten all the money over the years yeah. Bill Finger has gotten nothing yes and the other person is Jack Kirby. And Jack right. Kirby is the really the co-creator of basically all those Marvel titles, Hulk, Fantastic Four, Spider-Man, although he didn't draw the original Spider-Man, he was mm. involved in it. And he's one of the great geniuses, and he, along with Don Heck and, and, and Stan Lee, created Iron Man. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things we can say about Stan Lee is that he really understood something about where comics could go because they were pretty stale in the late 50s yeah. and early 60s and really not interesting. And he created all these characters that were flawed and had conflicts and had mm. personal stories. You know, Superman didn't really have personal stories. Batman, I mean, they would have a girlfriend. yeah But you weren't emotionally involved in their lives yeah. in the way that you suddenly were in Spider-Man and the X-Men and all these characters mm-hmm. that, that Stan Lee created, along with Jack Kirby. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and that's really different. And that's where we get mm-hmm. this asshole womanizing rich guy Yeah, but what's interesting so I kind of stopped reading comics in the mid 90s I, f- I was in film school mm-hmm. I was out of money and I was like I finally had to go cold turkey mm-hmm. which was really hard me too man um, it's just like I, I was buying so many and I just couldn't do it anymore
1: giving up the folder is one of the toughest things you ever have to do the it's, poll folder it's, it sucks yeah, yeah. yeah
0: it's, it's brutal and uh, uh, and apparently and it's after that when Warren Ellis took over as the writer of Iron Man and did a, a, a comic which I haven't read mm-hmm. called Extremis, Extremis, Extremis um, that that's really where the modern version of Iron Man comes from. And then he does become a really big character yeah. after I had read Marvel. Yeah. And so there's been these other fairly successful Marvel uh movies there was the x-men which was at sony mm-hmm. there was the spider-man movies which are also there at sony as well no the x-men is at fox fox yeah I, uh, iron man S- sony spider-man Sony. Oh, spider-man rather yeah and uh and then we go okay let's let's make this iron man film and the first person we have to talk about because he's now like the most powerful guy in hollywood yeah kevin feige
1: yeah yeah kevin feige wow what a thing and it was his own studio yeah right he was not affiliated with any other studio it was marvel studios they produced it they did this thing Out of the box, just knocking it out of the box and casting Robert Downey Jr. coming off all the stuff that Robert Downey Jr. had come off of. And a lot of people don't remember this. You know? Yeah. Which, what were you going to say? No, I was that, that yeah, was exactly great. what I was Okay. Yeah, say. a lot of people don't remember this, but Robert Downey Jr. struggled a lot with uh, addiction. He hit all through the night. He was a heralded actor in the 80s. Absolutely. And he really, like, if you go see Chaplin, rewatch Chaplin, the movie isn't 100% great in holding up, but his performance is fantastic as Charlie Chaplin. And so, but he got into addiction. He went through this whole process. He's the son of a filmmaker, Robert Downey Sr. And so there was a lot that went in with him. Who's also an addict. Who's also an addict, Who apparently right. gave him drugs at eight. Wow, geez. Jeez. And there you go. So don't yeah. be surprised if your kid gets addicted. And so uh, he struggled with this a lot. And he went through some incredibly uh, public breakdowns and situations with some uh, in- like some very difficult people to know that he was in communication with. He was palling around with. Uh, you know. But that's what happens with addiction. All of a sudden, you're riding high. And the next thing you know, you're down naked, running through the streets. Yep. Uh, You know uh, by a a, a seedy area of town out of a hotel and so there was a lot that went around with Robert Downey jr And people always kept championing him and trying to get his recovery because they knew he had the potential and he finally climbed out of it Thanks to his wife and friends and one of the things I remember the most is when I read that GQ article or Esquire article Whatever it was about him before Iron Man came out. He said I just want to let every actor know from my generation I'm back and I'm coming to get my things and I was like
0: Oh shit
1: and Damn if he didn't do it in this movie.
0: Um, So I'm not going to put this in, but I'll tell you, that is so much better than what I was going to tell a story. (laughs) And what you just did is like a million times better than what I was going to do. All right. Uh, Because, yeah, that was great. Uh, That was awesome. Um, And, yeah, so he he comes back. And and after many, many, oh, we're going to try to get sober, we're going to try to get sober, finally he does. And he has, you know, a few really good... Roles, Particularly like Kiss Kiss Bang Kiss, Bang. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is fantastic. Yeah. 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 It's just a great movie. And then we cast him in Iron Man. Yeah. Which I remember hearing about it And I'm like, you couldn't have better cast. Right. You know. But there's no way a major studio would have taken nope. this chance. No. Nope. Well, for years, no one would even insure him. Yeah. Like, they couldn't make movies because you couldn't get a bond on him. Which means yeah. that we're going to insure him because nobody trusted him. Yeah. Like, when he did um, Singing Detective, I think, with Mel That's Gibson, right. Mel Gibson put up the money himself out of his own pocket. <laughs> You know, but that's
1: but, so People believe in you, man.
0: They believe in you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And well, I mean, the guy's unquestionably a genius. Yep. And I'm, apparently incredibly charming. Oh, I, well, I mean, watch this movie. I know what I'm saying. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Um, Jon Favreau is the director, and John Favreau, who you know, comes out of indie films and swingers mm-hmm. and doing comedy, and this is one of the really smart things, I think, about Marvel, which is that instead of going for the big action-y directors, they've consistently gone for directors who understand writing yeah. and understand actors. Kenneth Branagh, Joss Whedon. Yes. I mean, these are people... The Russo brothers. The Russo yeah. brothers. Yeah. These are people who, like, they... Because they go... Look... if it's working with the actors in the script. That's the problem. We can hire people that can handle special affection action sequences yeah. and do them great. The hard, and, and this is, I think, really key is that in attracting great actors, I mean, actors will do stuff for a paycheck sure. with no question, but you won't get great performances out of them. Mm-hmm. And we actually have really great performances from Robbie Turner Jr. and Jeff Bridges in this movie. Oh, my God. This yeah. is one of my favorite Jeff Bridges performances ever. Yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, how can the, the dude play Obadiah Stane? It's just fantastic acting
0: all yeah. around. He's so menacing. Yeah. Well, he's, oh. he's, he's he's like huge and he's, dangerous
1: Right? And you're like wh- what is? Where's this where's Jeff Bridges been? Yeah, where's the dude? Exactly
0: um, Let's get in the movie, <clears throat> Sure, definitely So we start in Afghanistan Yes We're in a convoy We're in the back of a Humvee uh, Tony's got a nice glass of scotch Yeah Nice crystal glass
1: I feel like you're going to pull over and snuff me What, you're not allowed to talk? Hey, Forrest We can talk, sir
0: Oh, I see, so it's personal? No, you intimidate them. Good God, you're a woman. I Honestly, I couldn't have called that. I mean, I'd apologize, but isn't that what we're going for here? I thought of you as a soldier first. I'm an airman. But you have actually excellent bone structure there. I'm kind of having a hard time not looking at you now. Is that weird?
1: (laughs) This is interesting, Steve, re-watching it for the show. Because once again, it's 2008. This This is less than a decade ago, but it feels a bit uncomfortable, that beginning. He's like... He's objectifying the female driver. He's trying to be smooth with everybody, but he's being a real jerk. He's kind of really uh, kind of a jerk, you know. And well, yeah, I, he's unquestionably. I think, a jerk. I think remember when I, when I watched it though, I thought, oh, he's funny. He's being funny. It was done for laughs. But now our culture is changing. I think our pop culture, mainstream pop culture is changing, and we're becoming more aware of these kinds of things. And I think that opening
0: scene, I'm just a little bit like, oh, okay, all right. Well, I think but this maybe is, it's done on purpose. I don't that, know. Well, that's what I was going to say. Okay. Is like what we, what I think is always important to separate is. What is the movie and the director and the film saying? Yeah, and what is a character saying? There's yeah. no problem with. I have no problem with a character being a sexist, racist asshole in a movie. Right, and that in this movie, he. I think you're supposed to because this is before his transformation. That's right. a good point. He's supposed to be a jerk. Yeah, still is
1: weird. I guess. I mean, you're he right. is a
0: charming jerk. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And people, because what's interesting is people eat him, eat it up. Yeah, they do. You know, and yeah. I mean, I can't imagine any other public figure who acts like a jerk that people love. <laughs> But um, <laughs> but it, I mean but it seems to work in this film.
1: You slid it in there, yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> um, so
0: so we're driving yeah. off. The the people the the army people are just really like him and yeah. laughing at his jokes, yeah. and then boom. We're right away in an action sequence and pretty yeah. scary yeah
1: yeah what a brilliant way to do that too i mean it's almost bond-esque in that you get the action right at the beginning to kind of suck you into the film we you know he is a charming guy the whole thing takes that picture makes all the gang signs he's and we get tony Starr, and we get robert Downey Jr. judy the witty repartee quick delivery of lines the back and forth you don't know what's real you don't know what is improv and what's in the script all of it just works so well and they're all playing off him so well and then immediately Right. You're into military right in mode. Yeah. yeah.
0: And and one of the key moments is he's scared and yes. struggling is yes. he sees Stark Industries on the weapons. Yep. Yeah. He did this. Yes. He did this he, to himself. Exactly. That's really important. He gets... We see him wounded to the chest. He's bleeding. He's got some sort of bulletproof vest mm-hmm. on. And then cut to, there's a bag over his head. It gets removed. And we hear the sound of... Pashtun, I think, although it sounds more like they're speaking in Arabic, so Mm -hmm. I don't know why they're speaking Arabic in Afghanistan, although they can. There certainly are uh, uh, people from the Arab world who are in Afghanistan, certainly true, but seem a little weird. That's just a (laughs) personal thing. Um, uh, And then go to titles. Yeah. And then we go... Back in time, 36 hours earlier. Which is amazing,
1: right, Steve? Because it's like sometimes when you get certain comic books, the first few panels are there before
0: the title is there. Yep, And it feels very similar to that. Yep. Yeah. You turn to the splash page. Yes, yeah. exactly. And, and and I think it's really, I, I have no idea if this is true, but for me, I wonder if they're writing this movie chronologically, and they're writing through the first act, yeah. and then they suddenly go, Man, it's a long time before any action happens yeah. and then they go, "Let's just put it up front." <laughs> so we Could know be. where we're going because it is going to be a long time before we get back there. Exactly. So we're 36 hours earlier. We we start out at this award ceremony. Well, you we get the voiceover, right? Oh, that's right. Even from an early
1: age, the son of legendary weapons developer Howard Stark quickly stole the spotlight with his brilliant
0: and unique mind. At age 4, he built his first circuit board. At age 6, his first engine. And at 17, he graduated summa cum
1: laude from MIT. It's a guy who does voiceovers all the time. Oh, I hear really? that guy all the time on AE or on History Channel. He's so good at doing those voiceovers, and he does a whole intro. And then you see, we see, it's almost Citizen Kane-esque sure. that with the be- breakfast scene. We get the progression of Tony Stark from being the outcast child to returning to taking over for Obadiah Stane. And the shot of that magazine cover of Forbes where he is standing in front and Obadiah is yep. looking
0: over his shoulder. Fantastic. Let's you, that, it lets you know what that relationship is going to be for the rest of the movie. It's funny. When you said it was almost Citizen Kane, I was sure you were going to talk about the newsreel. Oh no!
1: Well, that too. I suppose you could throw yeah. it in as a newsreel as well.
0: Yeah. Um, so we get all this. You know, we we, we front load a bunch of exposition. Yes. We get a lot about this character, which is a smart way to do it. I yep. think when it's done effectively. Yep. Um, we find out about smart weapons and advanced robotics. Mm-hmm. And Terrence Howard introduces Tony, right? Um, who will not stay on this franchise. <laughs> Unfortunately, not. No. I like Terrence Howard. Right? I do yeah, too. Yeah. But you know, um, and he got uh, Empire. He's fine. Uh, so we get this introduction of Tony. Yes.
1: Where's Tony? He's playing, he's playing craps. He's, yeah. playing, he's out in the casino.
0: Yeah, this is not a very responsible guy. No. Wonder why they cast Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> um, Jeff Bridges takes the award. I remember being in the theater, mm-hmm. and the first glimpse of bald, bearded Jeff Bridges was like, holy fuck. <laughs> right? What happened
1: to this guy? It's so fantastic. Yeah. immediately, I knew this is not. This is an evil dude. Oh, no yeah. matter what
0: he was doing, you could tell just the look and the size of him. You know. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. So Tony's playing crafts. We see John Favreau as his bodyguard. Yes, um, Happy Hogan, which is fun. Fun. Fun to have him. Mm-hmm. And uh, a reporter calls him the Merchant of Death. Yeah. <laughs> Leslie Bibb. Yeah. Fun and uh, and Tony's response is, "Well, peace means having a bigger stick than the other guy." Um, and he likes the, the name Merchant of Death. Yeah, he's perfectly fine with he it. That and one. then comes on to her immediately. Cut sex. to. They're having sex. They're having sex. Yes. So this is not a subtle film. No. Uh, the reporter wakes up in his house. We hear Jarvis for the first time, Paul yeah. Bettany. Mm-hmm. I really go like, how far ahead are they thinking?
1: With oh, to make him, him vision? Yeah, I think they were thinking that far. Ahead. That's smart, right? So brilliant. And the re- they recently cast in the voiceover of Spider-Man: Homecoming is
0: Jennifer Connelly, who's Paul Bettany's wife.
1: Oh, I didn't know that. So she's the voice of Karen in Spider-Man: Homecoming, who's the voice of the the his suit.
0: Oh, that's fascinating. That's perfect. Yeah. Um. And uh, we see Gwyneth Paltrow for the first time. Yes. She's not my favorite actress.
1: Really? Yeah. Oh, I, I love don't. her as Pepper Potts. And I agree with you. There are moments that I don't necessarily enjoy Gwyneth Paltrow,
0: but I think she's a Perfect Pepper pots to Downey's Stark. I, I, I have no objection to her. She mm-hmm. does fine in the like. I don't know. There's something about her. I just you know. Sometimes you have that with certain yes, actors. Of really, like there's just something about her. Is there a privilege privilege vibe that you get from her that you I don't, don't know? Miss? Okay. I don't know what it is. It's Good. just that I, I don't want to. I don't want to. You know. We just started the podcast saying that that we wanted to be positive. <laughs> that's so right, I don't want right. to just disparage Miss Paltrow. Fair. Oh, fair. Um, but just she's not my favorite actor. Okay. But, but I do right. like this scene. Yeah. It's very nice. I'm yeah, here to it, take out the trash. Yo, that's such a great line, man. I. It is. It is a fantastic line. <laughs> I don't think this reporter deserves it.
1: You know what? That's kind of fair. But when you find out later that Pepper has like a little bit of a oh, has a
0: has feelings for Tony, Absolutely. then it's coming from that place. I yeah. mean, the real trash up to this point in the movie is Tony Stark, kind of
1: Tony Stark. Yeah. Right? Okay. Yeah.
0: It's not. I mean, yes, she did after accusing him of being the Merchant of Death, yeah. go to bed with the Merchant of Death, sure, which sure. isn't the highest recommendation. Necessarily. I mean. <laughs> Um, we see uh, Tony working is working on an old car, and this is a mm-hmm. key piece of information: is that yeah. he's both a genius and a hands-on, practical guy. It's very important to plant this little piece of uh, stuff, and, and mm-hmm. it's a cool old car yep. and fun to see. If yep. you were a gearhead, which I'm not, but it's still a cool <laughs> car. Um, <laughs> Our friend Mark Sloan is, so he, he'll enjoy that yeah. scene, I'm sure. Yeah. How many shout-outs has Mark Sloan gotten on has the he podcast? Got a, does he get a lot on the podcast? At, at least two. Why two? At least two. Okay, I give him more. Okay, he's a wonderful person. <laughs> Hi, Mark. Let's move on. So, uh, and now we're onto a private jet with Tr- Terrence Howard, whose character's name is Rody, by the way. Yeah, Rhodes, yeah. And uh, they're mm. just not going to drink with him? Oh, yeah, he's going to drink with them. Yeah. Apparently, the stewardesses dance on this private plane. It's a strange world, Tony. <laughs> Tony lives in. I guess. When you're rich, you get what you like. And now we're going to have the demonstration of the Jericho weapon system. <sighs> yeah. It's a great sequence.
1: It is. It really is. All the way up to the explosion and the... The wind. Uh, yeah, the wind. like the Yeah, uh, yeah the, the uh, of the aftermath of the explosion going through them and then knocking some of the military guys over, yep. some of the observers over. And, and it's great that they show, that Fabro shows uh, Stark stumbling a little bit. Yeah.
0: Because even in his presentation, he's not 100% strong. Well, because he continually pushes things beyond yes. his... his Arrogance is such an important part of his character yeah. throughout the film. Yeah. I mean, not just I mean, he's gonna change his character quite a bit in the course of the film, yeah. but the arrogance stays. Yes. The I'm just gonna go ahead and do this stupid thing yeah. and I assume that I'm gonna which again goes to like this is privilege. Yeah. Because he's been in a world where there have been no consequences. No consequences, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um and now we're back to the attack. hmm And it's it's pretty disturbing when he wakes up in the cave. Yeah. Surgery. There's there's some tube in his the chest. Open. There's mm-hmm. blood. I mean, it's it's pretty freaky. Yes, what's it is going on.
1: And and that's to let you know the starkness of this situation. So yeah. to speak, lack of a better term, <laughs> the starkness of the situation. You know, he's it looks it seems terrorists have kidnapped a terrorist cell. Have kidnapped him. Right. They've got him down there. We find out there's a scientist there, yes, and that he's Yassen supposed, Yensen. Yeah, Yensen. He's supposed Yensen? to build. They're supposed to build stuff together or build this missile for this main terrorist guy who who was in the original, who was in the 2009 Star Trek reboot film. Oh, he right. plays the captain who sends uh kirk's father in there to fight you know oh. and so he, yeah good actor that guy and yeah. and so they go in and that you get the whole and the guy who plays the doctor the scientist rather is the same actor from crash oh who right has yeah. that sequence yeah. and so like all of that you you kind of you want to cast these really uh good strong character actors to build to bring these characters to life so that
0: robert downer jr is pe- really good actors to play off of and it's great Two, two things I'll mention only very briefly. Yeah. The first one is is that the, their, their plan doesn't make a whole lot of sense. No. We're going to build the most advanced missile system with two guys in a cave yeah. and some, you know, like, how is that going to work? As smart as Tony is. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And, and also, we're in this world of, oh, here are the bad guys are Arab terrorists. And, yeah. you know, and this is a cliche that we see over and over and over again. Yeah. And this one is one of those. Yes. You know. Agreed. Um, and so a lot of people, a lot from the Arab... Uh, protest groups did protest, like the people that are part of these groups, that did protest the movie, saying that it was a bit stereotypical. So. Yeah. So, so I don't, I don't want to dwell on that because nope. it's a comic book movie. Right. We certainly talked about these issues on the podcast sure, before. Sure, sure. Um So they say, okay, we want you to build this weapon system. They torture him. Yeah. They dunk him in the water. They're trying to force him to build this weapon system, and finally he agrees. Yeah. But that is not his plan. No. No. Tony has another idea. Yeah. I'm. <laughs> Again, <laughs> it doesn't, you know, is it, are we expecting a lot of believability here? No, it's a comic book movie. It's a comic movie. Okay. Right. So we're going to build this suit of armor. The Iron Man suit. Yeah, the Iron Man suit. The very, and, and I, I love the design of the very early Iron Man suit.
1: Yeah, and I love that they worked that into the film. I mm-hmm. love that they
0: got the original
1: Iron Man suit from the 50s to work that into the film.
0: I thought it was awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And and now we're going to see them working. They're, they're, and this is why it was important to show that Tony could work on cars so right. that we know that he can build a suit of well, iron, uh, <laughs> so that he can build a a motorized perfect weapon suit yes. out of a bunch of scraps in a cave. Yeah, um, and they're being monitored, uh, apparently not very well. No, these are not the best bad guys. No,
1: well, I mean, you don't, you're not a low level bad guy terrorist if you got some kind of like um, incredible intelligence or something like that.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know. no, well, well, we're gonna have smarter bad guys later. In exactly, our movie. we're gonna we're gonna upgrade our bad guys as we go along. Gunmen are gunmen for a reason. Yeah. Um, it's a good, it's a good building montage, mm-hmm. and there's this. Uh, but I do wonder, it's like, at what point do they go like that? Doesn't look like a missile system. <laughs>
1: but if he's intelligent enough to build it, they can't understand what he's doing. So they have to kind of yeah, but make it has sure hands on camera. and feet. Well, true, true.
0: <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it's like an eight foot tall giant metal suit of armor. I do think I don't think they figure that out until he actually puts it. Oh on no, they right. don't. Yeah, no, there we no. go. So, so yeah. they're, they're not very good. Yeah, they're not exactly. very good bad guys. <laughs> We've established that. Uh, and and he builds this miniature arc reactor thing, which yes. he puts in his chest, which becomes key to his survival yep. and to Iron Man's power, and a key plot point. There's a there's a nice little conversation with Jensen and him while they're yeah. playing backgammon. Yeah, you know that's a nice little character moment. Absolutely, you establish the
1: stakes at that point with that conversation, right? And you establish the connection for what's hap- what's going to happen once they make their escape, right? Yep. Once you make the connection, you make this time, and it helps push. Tony into further into that realization process that he's in, which is his weapons cause damage, call hurt real pain to real people all over the world. And he, it's nice to do when you're sitting in a nice comfortable house that you don't have to think about the stakes of the things that you're building. You just look at your bank account and look at the toys you can buy, but there's a real cost to your money. And so that's what you see here with this guy, him explaining the situation, him talking to him. He's actually seeing the real life consequences
0: or the real life effects of his work well and this is not a political movie nope. and i'm not going to make it a political podcast no but this is for real yes the united states has a huge weapons industry mm-hmm. it has sold weapons to all sides in in lots yes. of wars including weapons to people who end up using them on us
1: which we find out later in the film yeah is what's happening
0: thanks to obadiah yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. so that, that, that it, it's certainly it's certainly a real Plot point. Yes. Finally, the stupid bad guys. are <laughs> <our, laughs> The gunmen. Yes. Yeah. Our stupid bad guys are going to get an upgrade because the bald guy comes, and he's a little bit smarter. Yes, he And is. he comes in, starts inspecting things. He finds some plans. And that's Raza. Yes. Raza. Yeah. And he's a great looking yeah, villain. Really so good. good looking villain. Yeah. Uh, and so he's going to torture Jensen to find out mm-hmm. what's going on. Mm-hmm brings the rock. Yeah, it's this, scary. Little,
1: this molten rock is says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to put it in your mouth. Yeah. And he makes uh he finally breaks uh Tony and Tony, Tony I think that's when Tony decides he's going to build this like he's going to, you know, really put this thing in motion. Yeah. Because like you said the thing about him is hubris. Tony has yep. hubris. It helps him and it hurts him at the same time. That's just the that's just both sides of the same coin with with people, and that's with anybody. I think, you, the things that make them successful are also the things that could possibly bring them down. Yeah, it's always the truth.
0: So he needs he needs this guy, and so yeah. you, they say, okay, you got till tomorrow to finish the missiles. Yeah, okay. Uh, and <laughs> so missile, we go back right. to another montage. We have the first moment he puts on that Iron Man oh, mask. So awesome! It's really good. Yeah. He talks Yassim through some keyboard shortcuts. Mm-hmm. To, yeah. To, to, to set up. <laughs> Sorry, some of this is just like... I mean... It, it, anyway.
1: Yeah. Um, Steve, I don't know if people know this on the podcast, but Steve is kind of a functioning genius. So wow. when he sees things like this, it really does bother him. He has to accept it. Like, but guys <laughs> who are a little bit less intelligent than him, like me, we just kind of watch him. Yeah, I don't understand it. L- looks believable to me.
0: Let's keep going. A, you're extremely intelligent. <laughs> Not to um, this level, though. Um, it, it, goes, it goes... This is something we talked about, is you have to uh, accept movies on what they're supposed yes, to be. Yes, You know what I mean? Right. And we're not... You know, this is a. Um, this is Iron Man. Yeah. So if you don't suspend your disbelief on the fact that a guy could be in this metal suit... <laughs> yeah, that's true. Man. ...then there's no movie. <laughs> yeah, and right. so I can't... As You know, as a good audience <laughs> member, I have to put it aside. Yeah. Now, there is some part of my brain that's going, Nope. <laughs> but... But that's exactly. okay. But that's exactly. not because right. we're watching Iron Man. But it's not going. Nope. Like yeah. if it's going, nope, well, then I you're think, out of the movie. I think part of yeah. part of it is does the does a movie violate its own rules? Yeah. Or does it stylistically try to be something else? Right. And this is where you know not to revisit it, but this is where Armageddon kind of sits for me mm-hmm. because it's doing other stuff. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Let's not, let's not
1: open that again. <laughs> Just
0: leave it aside. Drillers on, <laughs> Jill is on, the ma- on a, on a comet. That's all you need to know. Drillers on an
1: asteroid. <laughs> 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 Everything else out the window. Um, <laughs> Everything else is out the window. Uh,
0: yeah. <laughs> all right. We We've built up a lot of anticipation. We did. Time to see Iron Man. Yeah. yeah.
1: And I think what you said is right, Steve. You start with the action at the beginning. Right. That way you earn the audience's attention for this time while he's building all this stuff and having this connection
0: uh, with you here and, and where it leads to. Yeah. Because this movie actually has a lot of character and story Mm -hmm. stuff to go on this Mm -hmm. is not i mean later on these movies are going to become more wall-to-wall action yes iron man's not no at all yeah um uh but when he does come out he does kick some ass yes and he's got a flamethrower and he's getting shot with bullets that are bouncing off him he's like it's a pretty fun action sequence it is and one thing we should point out is for most of these shots that's a real guy in a metal suit yeah and that suit weighed 60 to 100 pounds. Depending, if it had the flamethrower on it, it was 100 pounds. Good God. And uh, it was usually stunt guys, mm-hmm. but it's also Robert Downey Jr. in the suit. And he's moving around in it. <laughs> and that is a suit built by Stan Winston, one of the great guys of all time. Yeah. That ain't easy. No. Yeah. Let's let you know. Uh, Tony wins. Tony does. But gets goes tries to fly. Well, he does. But first, I mean, he
1: loses Yinsen. Like, we see his oh, death. Oh, you're right. And the death <laughs> yeah. is really important uh, because... That is, I think, the final piece of the puzzle for him in his conversion. Seeing the death of this man who sacrificed himself for him, for Tony, for a man he just met. And Jensen said, this is the way I want to go out. This 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 was always the way it was going to happen. So he knew even more than Tony Stark knew. And that's the thing. You can be as smart as you want. You can be a genius. But some people are smarter about humanity, about human emotions, human connections. And sometimes that matters more. Then you, the fact that you can build the most incredible weapon in the world—if you don't understand people, you—you how intelligent are you really? You
0: know, uh, I, see, I told you you're a genius. I'm just, no, no, I'm just saying. That's a really beautiful statement. I mean, that was re- that was really good, and and it's something, you know. Do I think Stanley is the greatest writer in the world? No, not at all. Right. But he understands certain very specific things about structure, mm-hmm. and this this death is very much parallel to Uncle Ben. Yes. You know, good is point. that it's the cathartic death that teaches you the. That changes the character for the good. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and it's not that Stanley doesn't repeat himself. (laughs) You know, he does quite a bit. Yeah, Um, and it totally works. So, Mm -hmm. so we have this big battle. Uh, Tony survives it. He doesn't quite make it through flying. Crash (laughs) lands, (laughs) which is great. And he gets rescued. And we're going to go back to the world. Right. Um, but
1: once again, he gets rescued. But the film t- doesn't take itself too seriously. No, Because yeah, exactly. they have that banter, which men do. Men have that ball busting banter. It's just how we're built sometimes. Sure. And so they
0: have that ball busting thing between friends. Well, and you bet. You better be able to bust the balls if you're hanging out with Tony Stark, Absolutely. because he's going to. <laughs> well, some people can't handle getting their balls busted. And he said, yep. what's the first thing he says? I want a cheeseburger and a press conference. Yes. And the cheeseburger he gets is from Burger King. <laughs> Product endorsement. Of course, that's what it is. But I'm going to have to digress for a moment oh. and say, you've just come back from being kidnapped sure, by terrorists. Sure, sure, sure. You say, the first thing I want is a cheeseburger. An American cheeseburger. An American cheeseburger. And that's what he says. Well, there is no other kind. Well. It is invented in America. Okay, fair. Um, I, there's no question that Burger King isn't even on the list. What cheeseburger would you get? Really, oh. really? I mean, if you're the richest man in the world, yeah, you've just been captured by terrorists. You say, "I want a cheeseburger." It, it ain't gonna be fucking Burger King. No, it might be Five Guys or In and Out. Those are excellent cheeseburgers. What? I, I I'm not gonna go to a
1: craft beer place to get a cheeseburger from there. If I'm, you want that fast food. You want that, that fast uh. food. That's in our culture. It's in our blood. So, well, he, I, I, yeah. He,
0: what about you? Well, first you do of, ask the question, you have to answer it. Well, first of all, let, let me let me preface this by saying I literally could do a whole podcast on cheeseburgers. <laughs>
1: we should do that <laughs> as a Patreon.
0: Um, we'll do, if someone right.
1: was to donate that and, and request request we do a conversation about cheeseburgers, I would happily do a conversation about cheeseburgers. We,
0: we will discuss them. We'll okay. discuss them in in depth. <laughs> um, but I think I, I like In and Out and Five Guys. They're so yeah. very good. I probably would go for the more restaurant-y sort of cheeseburger. You would. Yeah, I would Where go would you for go? The, Red Robin. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Where would you go? <laughs> That's a restaurant? I mean, sure it is. And they do specialize in cheeseburgers. Yes. Um, right now, so uh, Castles over on 6th Street okay. in Los Angeles has a right. really, really good cheeseburger. That okay. might be my favorite one in LA right now. Well, I got to take you to Herbs on Santa Monica Boulevard. We just discovered that with Blue the other day. I've been Our there. It's Blue great. Yeah, it's great. Great burger. Yeah. I mean, one thing you you know. I'm a man who has a weight problem, and one of my problems is I will seek out food. I'll I'll hear there's a good cheeseburger somewhere, and I will drive and test it out. Damn right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, just, we just discovered our show it's okay. a whole new show uh, a
1: video show all right let's yeah do
0: it. obesity with steve no stop it okay so but we're back to so yep. he said a cheeseburger and a press conference we're gonna go through the press conference i love the moment where he says let's all sit down
1: yeah right hey would it be all right if everyone sat down why don't you just sit down that way you can see me and i can... so unusual for a superhero film but this i think this is the influence of people from this generation john favreau and Downey Jr. to a degree, of course, a little bit older than Favreau, but I think there's this influence of, this, of wanting to have a different kind of approach, the more human approach yep. to things, more realistic. He sits down. He says, "I never got sick goodbye to my dad." That at in ninety in two thousand eight, that really hit me because my dad died in two thousand eight. Oh wow! So when he said that, I was like, "Fuck!" I got super emotional. Theater. I remember I don't know who I was watching with, but they put their hand on my knee. Like they they saw I got emotional. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think it was Shannon. And so it was just like that was so uh, such a powerful moment. And so. It made, me, it made me connect to Tony Stark, like for real connect to him and be on the journey with him for the rest
0: of the movie. I never got to say goodbye to Dad. I never got to say goodbye to my father. There's questions that I would ask him. I would ask him how he felt about what this company did. If he was conflicted, if he ever had doubts. Or maybe he was every inch the man we all remember from the newsreels. I saw young Americans killed by the very weapons I created to defend them and protect them. And I saw that I had become part of a system that is comfortable with zero accountability. The Jeffrey Bridges jumps up, tries to push him off the mic. It's so great. Yeah, he says, oh, nothing to see here. Yeah, We're just right, going go right. away. Well, and I think part of the key to this, and this is what you see happening you know, from sort of X-Men and Spider-Man on, yeah. is that up, up to this point, quote-unquote grown-ups saw comic book movies as kid stuff. Yeah, They were dumb. And so when those grown-ups who weren't comic book fans went to make movies, they made dumb movies. Mm-hmm. And particularly if you look in the early, late 80s, early 90s, oh, at the Marvel movies then, yeah. the, there's a Captain America movie, there's a Punisher movie with Dolph Fonger. I mean, it's a really, yeah. is that they're made by people who clearly don't get it. Yeah. And, John, and, and, what, and since I grew up loving comic books, and as you've said, I'm a genius, <laughs> um, <laughs> that there must be something that is not dumb about them. Yeah. And definitely Favreau and Kevin Feige and Robert Downey Jr., they understand it. Yeah. Um, we also get right in the sequence. It's we get to meet agent Colson. Yes, we do. Who belongs to this uh, company, which has a really <laughs> long name, which we should fix sometime. Sure. I'm not a reporter. I'm agent Phil Colson with the strategic homeland intervention, enforcement and logistics division. Do you remember seeing that in the theater? Mm-hmm. I remember sitting next to my uh, uh, <gasps> wife yeah. and going, oh, "It's Shield!
1: They're talking about Shield!"
0: I was so excited. And this brings up the question you asked earlier, where you said, "How far ahead were they thinking?" Pretty far, pretty far. Yeah, yeah. Which, which I think it's funny because I think both uh, Warner Brothers with their DC movies mm-hmm. and now Universal with their monster movies, mm-hmm. I think they're 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 thinking too far ahead. Yeah, I agree,
1: man. Yeah. Don't launch a
0: universe announcing that you're
1: launching a universe. You right. you you start the process. You build, let, let, it, let it organically happen. And of course, with Marvel Studios, they got sold to Disney. So di- when Disney money comes in, then you can start to look at other prospects like expanding the universe. But the th- second you start talking about it too much, then it becomes a situation where it builds up expectations and then you're being judged not just for that movie but
0: future movies down the road. Absolutely. And that's dangerous. Well, and you're not doing the work you need to do to exactly. make this movie good. Exactly. Because you're only thinking about... It's like, it's like um, playing football. <laughs> (laughs) ball where they always say you know don't run until you catch the ball right catch the ball first make sure you got to make sure you got the ball look the ball into your hands yeah yep and 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 i think warner brothers and universal they're already running yeah and the ball is dribbling down on the ground like oh maybe we should have that with us (laughs) exactly (laughs) um so uh we meet uh colson we Mm -hmm. have our press conference he says he's shutting everything down uh and tony have a conversation yep and tony says no we should go to this arc reactor now, what's interesting to me at this point in the film is he says, I have this, yeah. you know, I've miniaturized it in my chest, and Epitaph doesn't seem interested in this at all. Not initially, no. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I would think, like, even if you did want to make lots of money off of your weapon system, they right. would also go, that's pretty fucking cool. Maybe like, yeah. we should take a look at that as well. Um, and, and again, we see, I mean, it was said, this will be the third time, Jeff Bridges is great. Yeah, <laughs> We have little Kramer mad money thing. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and this is. We talked about this in other films. That's where it's topical. like,
0: this is where it's sort of, dates the film. Yeah, and it does date the film. Yeah. It's right. like,
1: okay. Um I think one of the best scenes uh between that really establishes the relationship between uh Tony Stark and Pepper Potts is that scene where uh he is lying on the kind of like the gurney type thing that he has in his right. lab and she he invites her in and asks how small her hands are. She comes down and he playfully does this thing of having her pull out the copper wire which sets uh, you know, sets the heart rate beating. He's got right. to, and she's got to put in the, uh, the other uh, reactor into his body. And she's like, Screw. it's so realistic. It's one of the great moments, I think, acting-wise between her and, and Robert Downey Jr. Because she seems very natural. She legitimately seems like
0: she's freaking out about what she's doing. I usually freak out when I reach my hand into someone's <laughs> chest.
1: <laughs> and you got pus or whatever it yeah. is there. And then she, you know, she shocks him at first on accident, pulling the thing out, which is hilarious. <laughs> and so all of it is just a great character building moment between for both of them and between them as a, in there's in their relationship and I and I it's so sweet and when he puts when in the laugh they have after the laugh he does afterwards it's something that I recognize and so
0: for me I love this scene so I much. think it's a great scene it's yeah. a lovely scene Tony Tony surprises Terrence Howard who's with some pilots yes talking about manned versus unmanned really mm-hmm. wants to talk about something that's really important mm-hmm. and what's interesting to me about this scene is 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 Terrence Howard's pissed off about the not doing military weaponry anymore. Yeah. And he says, you need to go back and get some rest so you can go back to being who you were before. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. Yeah. I mean, because when
1: you make a change, sometimes people don't 100% believe that you've made the change and are ready to accept the change you've made. Yeah, they want to bring put you back where you were before because that's how their world
0: worked, yep. and they liked it when you didn't unsettle their world with your change. Well, and and make no mistake, Terrence Howard or Roadie or said, "I'm not going to drink with you on that airplane." Yeah, and then he, he had a pretty good time drinking with him, him on did, the airplane, right. So people, you know, there's this uh, theory called homeostasis, which is that mm-hmm. which is that like if you're in a family or a group and someone makes a major change, that upsets the whole equilibrium of the group, mm-hmm. and the group will fight to get back to that place. Mm-hmm. So so one of the things is like let's say you got an alcoholic in a family mm-hmm. and he gets sober well the, the oldest son might start acting out right because we need turmoil in the family because that's the dynamic mm-hmm. they want they want they want their old Tony back yeah which is weird no, it's the hard, yeah. you know
1: we all go through you know, the hardest things you confront is going sure. through changes and how it affects other people
0: Tony goes back to Jarvis. He goes to his workroom. Let's start a new project. Yeah, this is some fun, sciencey, y <laughs> stuff with yeah. Robert Downey Jr. It's a lot of fun to watch him work.
1: It is, and it's a lot of fun for him to give life to these robots. Yep. His interactions with the robots give life to the robots. Yes, their actions do. Right. But Robert, that's that's the mark of a great actor. It's a great point. I right. Totally Even agree. an inanimate object like a robot can be brought to life by interactions with uh the main actor the main character and then having the robot do little uh, the mm-hmm. movements that mirror what a human might do in emotional in, a, in an emotion situation is just so perfect it's a great
0: combination i never thought about it until you said it but you're totally right mm-hmm. and it's similar to what we talked about with the muppet movie yeah is that it's the humans interacting with the muppets that's part of what's giving them life of course because the other actor treats them as alive therefore they're alive they're alive Yeah, exactly that's a really really good point um we have uh and at that moment the bad guys back in afghanistan recover the old suit yeah uh-oh this could be this could be <laughs> trouble um we continue to build with jarvis and and they really do take their time yeah. going through this because a lot of this movie is becoming iron man yes you know this is a movie about becoming this character this yeah. this superhero um we have our first test of the thrusters yes that's a real stunt Wow, really? Yeah, where he flips up backwards into that wall. That was so great. That's a dude on a wire. (laughs) I mean, it's not as fast. I mean, it's sped up for the film, but but that's a nasty-looking stunt. It is, and it's fantastic the way it's done. Because one thing we should point out is that this movie is 2008. We're not in the digital world that we're in today. Right and on some ways i like that better yeah because when you can do anything you'll do anything
1: yeah there are moments in spider-man homecoming where you can see the cgi of him moving around and you're just like oh you know There are just some moments you're like ah it doesn't look realistic but
0: it there's enough of it
1: that does that covers it
0: well the cg i mean it's gotten so good now yeah that we've kind of gotten a little bit past that uncanny valley Mm -hmm. stuff but i still like humans doing stuff i agree you know um okay we have the another montage of building stuff yeah uh Pepper shows up. He's got his little, he's got, oh, this is a flight stabilizer. Yeah. This okay. is where he's got the little repulsor thing. Yes. And he just, it just goes.
1: Yeah. And he's like, yeah. didn't expect that. Yeah. Didn't see that coming. Yeah. So
0: we're establishing their relationship more
1: exactly. and more,
0: you know. Uh, Obadiah is, tells Tony that the board is sided against him and they're right. going to take him out. With the pizza. With the pizza? Yeah. I really want to know where that pizza came from. (laughs) In addition to to pizza. I think there's a theme in this podcast for me. (laughs) Cheeseburgers and pizza. Well, it looks like the product placement is working, Steve. Yeah,
1: apparently. (laughs) Well, it isn't because they didn't say where that pizza's from. No, but they got you hungry for pizza, and that helps all pizza stores. Yeah, Um, Good point. The great sequence here, too, is the first time we hear Obadiah kind of uh, start to become a villain. Like, really become oh, yeah. a villain. Because he goes like, if you could just let us study that reactor in your chest, then we could film it. And he's like, no. But that's Obadiah trying to sneakily yes. find out how to make that thing work yep. for his own benefit and for his company's benefit. Because he, he, he's going to force Tony or Tony out somehow. Yeah.
0: Back to, the, back to the workshop. Yep. We're going to do our first successful flying test. Yeah. And what they did was they had to rig a different style of, normally a flying rig will attach to your waist mm-hmm. and it go around your back. And it's sort of like you wear a big vest. But the problem is you can kind of feel that someone's supported by that. Yeah. And they wanted the, his weight to be distributed on his feet. So he's actually, they invented a new rig where he's standing on the, the, the things that's supporting him. Right. Which gives it a really different look. And we have that great moment. Yeah. I can fly. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So cool. It's awesome. That's that's the thing Downey Jr. does really well in this movie. He brings to life the joyful, childlike exuberance of discovering this about yourself as a a superhero, as an Iron Man or whatever it is. There's such a joy in it all. You know what I'm saying? And we as... Uh, our inner children come out when we watch movies like this, and we remember being playing superhero, playing yeah, Superman, playing ben, point, jumping yeah. off the roof with the cape on or the towel on or whatever to kind of be excited about, like be a superhero again. And so to see it, uh, Downey Jr. is such a great cast because he brings that
0: to life. Well, so, so much charisma, so much yeah. wit. And <clears throat> we have to remember that. A lot of what he does in this movie is acting by himself. Yeah. That's he's a good acting point. with robots and then right. he's in this suit, which is this is the first time we're going to see it. He's going to put on the mask. Yeah. We're in this heads up display look. That's just that's just a close up of a guy yep. with a black background just talking to the camera. Yep. That is hard. And he is so witty and charming mm-hmm. and alive. And yeah, that's I can't what, think of anyone else who could have done right. this. Right.
1: And that's why when actors say to me, oh, all I had to act on was a pole and a, and a tennis ball, the good ones bring it to life.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, but it's hard. It is, of course, it, it is. is. It, you can, you
1: know, that's why only two percent of people make a living doing it. Right. It's fucking hard.
0: Well, I think it's all. It's not <laughs> no, even less that, than that. Make a real big living it. I, I think. It, I think it's that, but I think it's also that so many more people want to do it. Yes. than there are slots. That's probably true. Yeah, I mean, I. But I agree. If you if you just do an open call for auditions and you just have actors coming off the street, most of them can't act. Yeah, they're terrible. <laughs> yeah, it is a hard job. So we're gonna go off on our first flight. Yeah, we fly over the Santa Monica Pier. He, it's fun. It's yeah. a lot of fun. Even
1: though Jarvis is telling him, you
0: got to take it slow. Take he's it like, slow. no, but
1: this is, once again, this is what you brought up earlier, uh, Starks' hubris. Yep. He's like, sometimes you got to run before you walk. Even though you could die flying in this metal suit
0: at the heights that he's at, he still goes for it. Well, and, and, and in, in a realistic world, He dies constantly. (laughs) You know. Um, But this is not a realistic world. Let's fly straight up, because that seems like a good idea. Mm -hmm. The suit ices up. And I really think again, like they're looking at the script, they're going, man, we haven't had any action in a long time. We need to have something some danger. Suits ice up, it shuts off. Uh, and, of course, he saves himself at the last possible second because that's the kind of movie we're in. Right. Um, and then, of course, the last moment is when he tries to land, crashes right through the roof. And why do we got to destroy that beautiful Shelby? There's <laughs> prices to pay for being stupid. That's what it is. Yeah. But, he, sure is. Well, but this is the thing with Iron Man. <laughs> yeah. He never pays a price, really. He did he it did with the terrorists. Right. That's, that he does real feeling. He has a reactor for the rest of his life, though, with the terrorists. Yeah, but, but yes. That's true. He has to wear that thing in his in his chest for the rest of his life. Yeah, but they, they, we don't feel the consequences. You know what I mean? Okay. I mean, I, no, you're right. No, you make. No, a good I get point.
1: what you're, you're saying. We don't feel the consequences. I respect that, but there is consequences. We may not right. feel it, but there are right. consequences. There, so, are, yeah. That's yeah. definitely
0: true. That's definitely true. Yeah. But this is a privileged guy who's yes. going to really get away with a lot of shit. Absolutely. But that's also the reason he can create this, though. Yeah, because of his privilege. Um, we get a very nice gift from Pepper. We do to, to show Tony Stark has a heart. Yes. Yeah. That little, a little, the original arc reactor in this glass box, and not only is it a nice gift, but it's a really nice plant for later (laughs) in the film. Yes, it is, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, The bad guys are trying to reverse engineer that Iron Man suit. Yeah. And Tony finds out that there's a benefit, and he wasn't invited to it. Mm -hmm. If I'm a bad guy trying to ice Tony, I I would still invite him to the benefit. This doesn't seem like a good plan.
1: Yeah, I know. You're right. So, and he crashes it and only because he hears the report on the news saying, uh, we don't think he's going to show up or he's, right. he's not going to show up. So he shows up. And of course he pulls, he immediately goes after Obadiah and goes, what's a guy got to do to get invited to his right. own benefit party? Blah, blah, blah. And, and Obadiah's I'm not just, happy that he's not there. happy he's there. Yeah, right.
0: And when he arrives at this benefit, who does he run into? But Stanley. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, Hugh Hefner, right? I would like to put out a request that we stop. Uh, no, no, I disagree with you. You want Stanley in every movie? Absolutely. I love when
1: he pops in. It's a little Hitchcockian, which is why I enjoy it. <laughs> no, you can feel as you feel. I know. I do. You, I'm t- I'm <laughs> saying you absolutely have a, a credibility to feel this way. As a lot of people probably feel that way. I don't. I never mind it when he shows up. It's I'm, always a nice. There've been some, some really funny the ones. There've yeah. been some very
0: funny ones. The Hulk one was great. Um, what was? I can't remember. He's what the security of... guard. Oh, that's right. That's He's right. So funny. Um, I remember the most recent in, in Guardians of the Galaxy Two. Well, the most recent oh, is Spider Man. Oh, I haven't seen it yet. No, Yo, you haven't. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he shows up in that. Well, this is actually an interesting question. So, all you cinephiles out there, mm-hmm. do you like it? You want them to keep going until <laughs> they had to roll them in, you know? Because <laughs> the guy's 90-something. He really is. Um, or, or, or are you like me and kind of wish we, we could retire that yeah. system? Well, he so, just lost his wife. He outlived yeah, his wife. Saw, That's I saw, amazing, that man. Most yeah. men
1: don't outlive their wives.
0: Good, yeah. True. Okay. Uh, we see uh, Tony meets Agent Coulson at the uh, yes, at the thing, mm-hmm. and again we hear this non ackerman which I can't even remember what it is. <laughs> yeah. Shield name, yeah, sure. and you should probably come up with something better than that. And, uh-huh. uh, we're working on it. It's yeah. lots of fun. Sees Pepper, she's in a beautiful dress without a back, without a back, and no deodorant. Let's apparently no deodorant. <laughs> um, let's dance, and this is a really nice scene between them. Really, really is. good. Am I making you uncomfortable? Um,
1: um, oh no, no. <laughs> I, I, I always forget to wear a deodorant and dance with my boss in front of everyone that I work with in a dress with no back.
0: You look great. I smell great. Oh, God. But I could fire you that'd take the edge off. I don't...
1: I actually don't think that you could tie your shoes without me. I'd make it a week. Really? Sure. What's your social security number? Five. Five? Right. Right. You're missing... A couple of digits the other eight. <laughs> I
0: got you for the other eight.
1: And I don't think we get this scene without that scene with the, her, her pulling the thing out of his chest. I just, agree. I think I agree. we don't get that yeah. scene. And so it's just a nice sequence between them.
0: Well, and we obviously see her attraction to him. Yeah. And, but I think this is his first time seeing his attraction to her. Yes. It, I mean, he might have been attracted to her as he is to every woman who walks by. Right. But no, he's, I think he's having this realization of like, oh, this person's really special to me. Right. We decide let's go up on the roof where it's not so public, right? But this is what, and this is why I defend her as Pepper Potts because I think she's really good in this. You're right;
1: she's she's good in this. I mean, just she's just yeah. believable. Like even in that scene, that she's so believable, saying to him like, "No, it was not just the dance. You don't understand because you're you, and everybody knows
0: exactly who you are and how you are with girls and and all of that, which is." completely fine but you know then me you're my boss and i'm dancing you know because it makes me look like
1: the one who's trying to
0: i just think you're overstating you know and we're
1: here and then i'm
0: wearing this ridiculous dress and then we were dancing like that and
1: she's just so realistic in it all and then when she leans and try to kiss him and he's not sure what to do and then she goes i I need a drink i would like a, a vodka martini please very dry with olives, a lot of olives, like at least three olives. All it's it, all I've really seen...
0: fun, awkward. Exactly. Yeah. And I've seen women react like that in situations sure. in real life. So to me, it's just very realistic. It's Absolutely. fantastic. Yeah. Goes down to get the drink, but who does he run into? But Christine, the reporter yes. from before. And uh, it seems like his company's weapons have done all sorts of bad stuff. Right. Right. He um, the pictures that apparently have been double dealing, dealing
1: to the terrorists and to the Americans. Yep. And he, finds, he confronts Obadiah. And Obadiah then
0: admits to him, "Yeah, who do you think froze you out of the board? I'm doing yep. it for your own good." Right. Yeah. And it's funny. His emergence as a bad guy is a real smooth, mm-hmm. steady sort of each one kind of worse than the previous one. Yeah. Setup. It's really. It's very well done. I have a closet desire to start a podcast where I defend every bad guy in every movie.
1: Okay. There are reasons. So
0: in addition to our cheeseburger podcast, <laughs> I am all for this. Um, there's some that are going to be harder than others. Sure, villains revisited. That's what villains? I would call it. I love it. Yeah, I love it. That's what right. I would call it. Okay, in um, so so everyone. Because I don't have exactly. You had plenty of time. Um, okay, Tony yes. watches the news and and we see sort of what the impact of what this thing was. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, really big. Yeah, and. Uh, he sees, like, once again, it's because of that relationship with Yinsen at the beginning, he, yep. he sees the cost. He yep. connects with the cost. He understands it. There's a reality to it. So, you know, he gets in the suit, flies out to that
0: um, town. Yep. And then, you know, we see Before the full. Before we do that, I want oh, to yeah, go back. Sure. I think when he's watching that news, yeah. I actually think this is the first time he's actually thinking about what he could do with the suit. Do you know what I mean? I think that's fair. Like, I think I think he's been really excited about making the suit mm-hmm. because he's a scientist and he loves making things. Right. But I I feel like this is the moment where he goes, oh, I'm actually going to wear this suit to be a superhero. Hmm. This is where that starts. That's what I think. I don't have evidence for it, but that's no, kind of how probably, I No, you
1: might be right because, I mean, I would argue like, oh, well, why would he put the weapons in? But then he has that conversation with Rhodes and it says... I've got this thing I'm working on. Right. It doesn't mean necessarily that he's going to be a superhero. Be a hero. It means like this could help us uh, stop and any wars and right. all wars. Yeah.
0: You know. So yeah. Yeah. He, uh, he. And this is also the first time we get to see the full red and gold suit. Yeah. And we get to see it assembled on him. Yep. And I remember seeing this in the theater and just thinking it was so fucking cool. Right. It is really fun to watch. Yep. Uh, you know part of me is going like that doesn't seem safe because <laughs> big powerful machines locking things on your body they're off by an inch it's like oh i lost the pinky that's right you know or worse or worse <laughs> so so he flies off and he's gonna wipe out some bad guys yeah and it's a it, it is man that iron man suit is powerful it, it really is yeah. but it still does that noise <laughs> you know to let
1: you know that a blast is coming it's like the rodents of unusual size moment in <laughs> Princess Bride you can hear the sound coming before the <laughs> blaster actually hits you yeah um, that's hilarious I never, <laughs> never would have thought of that but comparison. my favorite sequence is when he kills all five of those bad guys that have got their head yeah, their he, guns pointed he, at he the cites them all. And, yeah that's awesome
0: moment. that's great yeah. and, and, and also you have the great moment of him blowing up the tank and just to walk away yeah I think there's a, we should someone I'm sure it is on YouTube there's got to be a montage of people walking away from explosions <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm sure there is it's just got to so many of them like
0: i'm not gonna duck i'm not i'm gonna walk slowly (laughs) which which every actor tells you in in behind
1: the scenes like that we were a million miles away from that explosion it's all done by camera tricks because you
0: could feel the heat when you try to walk away from something really badly Yeah. yeah absolutely um uh he's gonna fly he's successful yes he's taking out the bad guys including almost you know definitely doing some damage to our big bald bad guy yes um and he's gonna fly home Runs into some airplanes. Yeah, he does. It's really lucky that Rhodey happens to be at that particular <laughs> radar station at that particular moment. That works out really well. Yeah. Um, and they think, of course, he's some you know bad guy, and right. they start shooting at him, and he he runs into the wing of one of the planes mm-hmm. the guy has to eject his parachute isn't working tony's on the phone with Rody i yeah. love that he calls him and says no it's me hi Rody it's me it's who oh, i'm sorry it is me you ask what you're asking about is me no see this isn't a game you do not send civilian equipment into my active war zone you understand that it's not a piece of equipment i'm in it it's a suit <laughs> it's me I love that whole conversation is really funny, yeah, it's me. What do you mean? it's me? I know it's no, no, it's me, you're shooting at me, <laughs> <laughs> um, and we know he's fine down to save yeah. the guy, but the pilot and the other air force guys don't know, so yeah. they're still going to try to attack him, and he does rescue the guy and then for some reason the the plane gets called off and or, or he he doesn't have to deal with the plane yeah anymore. yeah um, and I don't quite understand what happened. To maybe Rody said something maybe Rody finally convinced him to yeah. stop um. But that's a pretty fir- successful first outing as mm-hmm. Iron Man. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I love the last moment where uh, Tony says, "Well, say what you usually say." There was an accident in a training exercise, <laughs> and and Brody's like, "We can't do that. This is different. We're just not going to cut to an unfortunate training exercise involving an F twenty two Raptor occurred yesterday, <laughs> and of course, uh, Stain sees that and goes, "Hmm, yeah, always well, good to have a good villain." Hmm. (laughs) Um, the great moment where Pepper catches Tony in the suit being put on in his line of, let's face it you've seen me in a lot worse things (laughs) this is really funny That's, Uh,
1: that's what the film does really well is it revisits these relationships just to give you a little more groundwork with them like it does, at the mm-hmm. right time like the editing is so important in films like this right. I think even more so than in regular films because you can get lost in the narrative of, of so many different things happening at the same time so you have to make sure you come back and connect in a human way and then you can
0: run off on the fantastical stuff and it's really important it's, it's hugely important and this is the thing that is missing from the big action movies that don't work mm-hmm. which is it's, it's it's rarely that you walk out of a big action movie and go the ginormous special effects sequences were terrible I didn't like it but I like that human stuff Mm -hmm. you walk out you go when you didn't like the movie it's because the human stuff didn't work yeah that's I I can't think of an example where I went oh man the special effects sucks today yeah because they're all really good agreed yeah um and uh and now we've slowly been ramping up what a bad guy uh Jeff Bridges is Mm -hmm. we're about to take it to a new level because who shows up to visit the terrorists Uh, Obadiah (laughs) couldn't figure out how to say his name for a second um obadiah shows up yeah and now he's full bad guy yeah welcome to being full bad guy yep um and has this sees that they're working on the iron man suit they're not really getting very far i think he can take care of it and our our terrorist guy wants to make a deal and he's holding up a cup of coffee but uh obadiah pulls out this little device yep that's a good bad guy device. Yep. Pretty scary. Mm-hmm. He has little glowing things in his ears and paralyzes them with sound and looks horrible. Yeah, it does. But once again, you you don't become the head of this company without having your own
1: intelligence. Do you know what I'm saying? Sure. As smart as Tony Stark is, Obadiah is just as smart in a different way.
0: Well, and it seems like, I mean, we know Tony Stark is an irresponsible genius. Yes. He doesn't give a shit about the running of the company. Exactly. Pepper does tons of stuff for him. Mm. He doesn't know his own social security number. We see that like in he the doesn't, dance, You know, so he doesn't know what... Obadiah is doing right. or how he's doing it he's just coming up with brilliant weapons because he thinks that's fun Yeah, you know Um. Uh, so and then the last thing that happens in addition to taking all this stuff they wipe out everybody oh, yeah. yeah now this is we can establish that is a bad person that's yeah, a full bad guy yeah I'm very curious in your villains what was it mm-hmm. villains, villains explained yeah. villains explained I'd love to hear oh, your, oh, villains, your, revisited. Villains, villains revisited villains revisited yeah, yeah. 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 Um, don't take that idea I copyrighted anybody listening <laughs> to it <laughs> you, could never, you could never do it without John That's right. doomed to failure That's right. um, so now to, Tony's plan is I'm going to send Pepper to go to back to the office and get all the files Yeah, so, um, how dangerous is that yeah that seems like a fairly scary I mean he doesn't know that Obadiah is out killing people mm-hmm. but he certainly knows that this, this is a big thing that he's asking her to do. Yeah, and this is, this is, I push back on this idea with Pepper Potts that
1: like, you know, like I hated in Iron Man 3 when they put her in the Iron Man outfit, like in the uniform. It's not because she can't be Iron Man. Of course she can be Iron Man. She's already a hero though. She's already a superhero in a certain way, and I think that's what bothers me sometimes when people say, well, uh, you know, just because she doesn't get the flashy suit, she's not a hero. That's not true. She runs this company. She is intelligent. She takes these risks. She goes on her own missions. This is a, this is a superhero mission for her to yeah. sneak in, get the information uh, from Obadiah's computer, trick him, get the information, and then get out of there without getting caught. All of that is a superhero mission. It's well, an agent spy
0: mission. To be clear, she's a way better person than Tony Stark. Yes, She's a great person. She's, she's a moral, absolutely. honest, ethical, heroic character. Right. And this sequence where she goes to break in uh, is scary. Yeah. Yeah. And she's there copying files now. I've copied a lot of files on my computer. It doesn't look like these. This is just like a little progress bar. And what's great about, what, what I think is so great about the graphics they use for the copying yeah. is is the is the way they copy the files on the computer realistic? No. Mm-hmm. But what's so smart about it, in addition to looking cool, yeah. like a progress bar doesn't look cool, but it's a great expositional tool <laughs> yes. because you're learning things about this thing. And as things are going by, she sees this section 16. Mm-hmm. When she sees this section 16 thing, she sees the video of the terrorists going, hey, you didn't tell us that it was Tony Stark. Right, you were kidnapping. Right. Very lucky that she saw that video. Yes, very, very. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> when you're copying thousands of files over <laughs> from a computer, and just as she's finishing copying, who walks in? But Abadiah. Abadiah, uh, yeah. yeah. And he, what I'm kind of curious about is how much does he suspect at the beginning of the scene? Do you think? I think he does
1: because when he has the battle with Tony, he's already prepared for it. I think he's prepared for the battle with Tony. The second he sees that, he goes, I got to ramp up my, I got to speed up my process to get what I need to get because I know I'm going to have to fight this thing at some point.
0: And it's a genuinely scary scene. Yep. And Pepper is very cool. Yep. As, she, as she finishes the download, hides the key, mm-hmm. and then manages to extricate herself, grabs the key. Ebadiah sits down, sees download complete. Mm-hmm. Oh, she hides the key, brings up the screensaver. Abadiah comes, sits down, sees download complete. Mm -hmm. and just as she's walking out who she run into but agent colson that's right i love clark greg by the way he's such a good actor he's great Mm -hmm. he has such a presence in this film with this small part Mm -hmm. and he has become so beloved i mean by the time it's not like he has a lot of screen time in these marvel movies before avengers when he gets killed right um supposedly supposedly supposedly. nobody comes back to life yeah yeah well it's marvel it's marvel comics that's right people (laughs) come back to life
1: (laughs) Any okay. comics people come back to life.
0: Ebdai gives some his scientists some hard times, yeah. um, and they're like, he says, Tony Stark was able to build this reactor, you know, in a cave, and these scientists, they're not Tony Stark, and that's Peter Billingsley. Oh, that's right. That's who Peter is Billingsley. who is
1: the main kid in Christmas story? He's right. very good friends with Favreau. They produced that Dinner for Five show that was on IFC for a I long really time. I really liked Dinner for Five. Mm-hmm. Dinner for Five was fantastic. Yeah. If you haven't seen that show, you should go back and watch those old shows on IFC. They're fantastic explorations and, and uh, conversations with filmmakers, uh, art actors, artists, what have you, yeah. all of there. And uh, there's a great little uh, sequence where they kind of discover where Jennifer Garner fell in love with Ben Affleck. Oh, really? They've done it through those
0: dinners. Oh, my God, It's really? so interesting. If you go find that on YouTube, it'll blow your mind. Oh, that's but, yeah. hilarious. So, if, if we need Tony Stark to miniaturize this thing let's go see Tony Stark Abadiah yeah. shows up and uses his little ear paralyzing thing yeah. on Tony and this is scary and, and they're, as we said before Robert Johnny Jr. Is doing, has to do some weird acting with robots and with a blank mm-hmm. screen mm-hmm. and all this stuff and now he has to do paralyzed acting yes and he's really good yeah like his realization that pepper's gonna die his realization that he's gonna die mm-hmm. that the bad guy's gonna win and you can see all of that playing on his face mm-hmm. as he removes the arc reactor thing from his no. chest oh what a masterpiece look at that this is your legacy A a generation of weapons with this at its heart too bad you had to involve Pepper in this. I would have preferred that she left. Oh, it's such a powerful sequence, man. Yeah, it's brutal.
1: To make a bad guy really, really bad and to make him powerful enough to take out and believable enough to take out the hero, you've got to have a scene like that. Where he is so
0: incredibly in control of the situation. And Jeff Bridges does such a great job. It's great. And it's really lucky that he has the perfect fitting thing to unscrew the, <laughs> the, the arc reactor Will from you the child, Steve. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's also, it's also, this is a great nope. example of, 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 uh, A villain monologuing. Yes. You know? Yes. And you know what? Villains got a monologue. Is it a cliche? Sure. Sometimes. And sometimes in movies it's done really well and sometimes really terribly. And this one's good. Yeah. Yeah. Because Jeff Bridges. It's Jeff Bridges. Pepper calls Rhodey. Can't reach Tony. Tony tries to make it to that old heart and does a good acting job. Can't make it. And you're like, oh, fuck. He didn't make it. I I think he's really. He can't do anything. And who comes to the rescue? Jarvis. Yes. Totally unexpectedly. I yeah. think I, cuz I think I had forgotten about him. Right. I was like, I don't how are we gonna get out of this?
1: It's the much maligned robot. Yeah. That has been getting so much shit from Tony the whole time, been threatened to be donated yep. to a community college that comes out and saves him.
0: Yep. Once uh, again, great what you said, Steve, great plant. Right. It's right. Great. No, it's perfectly set up. Yep. Abadai puts the uh the new reactor into his into his big giant suit. Yeah. Again, it fits perfectly, even though he had never had one before. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. I'm not oh, yeah, going to dwell on it. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. Uh, and uh, Pepper and Coulson go to arrest Ebadia. I don't know why Pepper has to come along. I don't know why, but it's yeah. part of the Paltrow thing. If you're going to cast Paltrow, you got to put her in these situations to give
1: her screen time to show well, I don't think she's it's just that. I think
0: it's that she's the main character. We want to put her in danger That's what I mean. so that Tony has someone to rescue. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it, but it is sort of like, please don't usually yeah. bring along just some random person. Uh, Well, I like, and one of the things
1: I really love is uh, Jeff Bridges' voices as in the Iron Man suit. They do a great job. Yeah, Obadiah is a fantastic villain, but to put him in that suit is even more menacing, how he echoes, you know, because he's got such one of the most amazing
0: voices as an actor, yeah. Rhodey finds Tony. Mm -hmm. Tony gets up, he gets in the suit. Rhodey looks over at that (laughs) other suit and goes, next time, baby yeah. <laughs> or something like which that which unfortunately wasn't true no. for him not sorry. terrence howard yeah. sorry terrence howard yeah i actually don't know why he's not what, what's uh, the cause it clause? was salary issues he uh, because
1: he was coming in at a high off a of hustle and flow right so he was paid more or paid a higher rate than tony than uh, robert Downey
0: junior and so terrence howard he, made more money than robert Downey junior i think on he Iron was Man?
1: I think he was offered more, more or a higher amount of money than normal for a secondary right. character. Uh, and so when the time came to negotiate for Iron Man 2, well, obviously our, uh, Robert Downey Jr. had blown up and uh, Rhodes felt that he should be paid at the same level or the uh, comparable level of what he was getting paid percentage-wise for the first film. And so hmm. Marvel's like, nah, we're not going to do that. And uh, Robert had already made so much because he'd made the deal on the back end for right. Iron Man. He made so much money off Iron Man. Like of $50 million is this. he made off wow. Iron Man, which really pissed off Marvel. And so they had that situation, so that's why they replaced him. And not gotcha. that Don Cheadle asked for less. It's that Don Cheadle's a good
0: actor, so if you can replace Terrence Howard, why not go with Don Cheadle? He's a fantastic it's, actor. He's a great actor. Yeah. Um, so they finally find Section 16, which, mm-hmm. is, nicely enough, is labeled Section 16. <laughs> Um, And uh, they blow the door. We go in. They find a little suit. Pepper says, I thought it would be bigger. (laughs) It's a great little plant and setup. Uh, Tony's flying to get there. We find out that this suit only has 18% power Mm -hmm. or something, which is, again, another great little plant. It's really well set up. And that's when Ebadiah attacks. Yes. And he is great in the suit. His voice Mm -hmm. is great. The suit is really fucking scary. Yeah. And just wipes out everyone. Uh, except Coulson and Pepper who escapes mm-hmm. um and she's on, on the phone with Tony mm-hmm. and Tony's on his way um and of course just at the last possible moment flies in because this is the kind of movie we're in uh, movie. which is great yeah yeah i mean it's like it's it's funny there there's this i think um Wim Goldman the screenwriter mm-hmm. uh, wrote a, a list of all the movie clichés oh um it, like uh, I show up and immediately find a parking place right in front of the place I'm going to go. <laughs> yeah, right. I turn on the news, which we saw in here, and of course there's a story that directly pertains to my life on the news. I go to pay someone; I always have the right change, <laughs> you know. And the, and what he said is about these. And one of them is we talked about, like with Armageddon, is the the bomb is counting down, and we always, you know, yeah. stop the bomb at the last possible second. Right. We always arrive at the last possible second. Tony's falling down to Earth, and he saves himself at the last mm-hmm. possible second. And the, and what William Goldman says is that the reason the cliches are there is because they work yeah because you don't want him to save himself 500 feet above the ground because yeah. that's not exciting exactly and you don't want to watch tom cruise driving around looking for parking <laughs> or put someone turn on the news and watch 20 minutes of news before the story comes up that pertains to them these are movies <laughs> you know exactly that's why they're here and the cliches only stand out when they don't work right yeah yeah. When, when, well, and this is—it goes back to what we were saying before. If all the human story stuff is working, yeah, we'll accept the cliche. Exactly. If all that stuff is terrible, all we see are the cliches. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Um, okay. Um, and now we're into our big fight. Yeah. Ah! It is a a big Rock'em Sock'em robot fight. It really is.
1: It's so awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're
0: right. Rock'em Sock'em. It's exactly the great comparison. Yeah, there's the great moment with the car where where he picks it up as a weapon and then Tony knocks him out with his repulsor beams and then saves the car, but then they drive over him (laughs) because the mom is just so freaked out. It's a good sequence. That's what people say. Oh, there are a lot of
1: great villains in Marvel movies. I like Obadiah Stane, and I believe him as a villain, and I like when he... uh, uh, Puts on the big suit and everything like that. I love it. I think he's a great
0: one movie villain. You oh
1: I mean? right,
0: you wouldn't want him to be a villain for multiple movies. Probably not. It would get. You think it would get old? I yeah. I mean, I like him. I mean, I don't know. I, I yeah. I'm asking you. No, no. I I'm saying I don't actually have an answer. Yeah. Um. I I don't know that he doesn't seem to have a ton of depth, but he's okay. a good villain. Okay. Um. It's interesting. Like if you look at the way, and this is very much a Stanley. One of the things he was really good at. Is coming up with a villain that connected to the person in a personal way. So Magneto and Professor X, Reed Richards and Doctor Doom. You know that that there's uh, and those are really the best ones that Mm -hmm. really really work for characters. And this one might this one might be a good example. Right. Right. Well, because you
1: also you have that struggle constantly of redemption and. Who else knows you best? Right. Who else can, you know, know exactly how to mess with you best than someone who's known you for a long time? But you don't always go after them like 100% or don't always destroy them 100% because you always think they can be redeemed because they were your friends at one point.
0: Yeah, it's funny. I I hadn't thought about it until you brought it up. But now I'm kind of thinking about it. Is this guy is a father figure for Mm -hmm. Tony and Mm -hmm. is. But I don't think. I don't think the movie does a lot with that. You know no, what I mean? No, but
1: there's I, there's enough for me. Like the fact that the, even in the battle when he keeps calling him Tony, the way he calls him Tony, the way he says Tony, it's so like you're still a child. You're still my child in a way. And I, and I love
0: that. And you know what it is? Is he has no, and, 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 and I don't want, this is not a criticism yeah. of the movie. It's just something I'm thinking about because you brought it up. Mm-hmm. But with Magneto and Professor X, they love each other on yeah. a certain level. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're, they're brothers. Yeah. In and, a way. And they are, they're, they have different philosophies, and that brings them into conflict with mm-hmm. each other. Abadiah, the sense we get in this film is that he never loved Tony. He actually never actually cared about him. Right. You get the feeling that he'd always just use Tony for... And he liked when Tony disappeared, because yeah. he could, he could but, come in power. He wanted him killed. Right yeah he's always and so that 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 had it been like this was a genuine right. mentor mentee relationship with real feelings right. then i think we could have which it could have been yeah. um, then we could have then i'd say he would be more than a one movie villain yeah, yeah, yeah. i guess that's sort that's of a what i thought of um so we, we can throw a bus the suit is running out of power yeah. we're we're flying and Robert Downey Jr. has the brilliant idea, which is which we all know what it's hap- what's happening because we yeah. we saw the plant flying higher, higher, higher. He's trying to get the ice up. I you know, ever uh, I say my suit's so much more advanced, and I love oh how'd you solve the icing problem? <laughs> Click, Oh uh, <laughs> it's great, it's great. Yeah. Unfortunately, Tony's suit is also basically out of power. Yeah, so he's going down too. Barely manages to soft land, mm-hmm. and uh, we think maybe we're good. Yeah, we're not good. No. No, so Ebediah comes back. He's just kicking the shit out of Tony because really he's is, got man. no power left in the suit. Right? I could go into Newton's laws of uh, motion and why the suit actually is not going to protect Tony, and this doesn't make any sense. But I won't go into it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and Tony yes. comes up to the plan, like, again, Gwyneth has got to go save me. She's going to have to make this reactor go critical. Yeah. And, get, and he's going to maneuver Ebadiah on top of it. Mm-hmm. And in the very end going like, no, the only way to do this is for me to sacrifice myself. Mm-hmm. And Gwyneth figures out what all those controls are, which I guess she knows how to do. Yeah, she's a smart woman. She's very smart. And she, she realizes, too, this is going to kill Tony. And she hits the thing. The reactor goes off. There's a huge blast that shoots up. Yeah. I, why doesn't Tony die? Ah, uh, because we have to have to do more movies with him. Ah, uh, right, 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 right. It see, it it seems like I don't quite understand. Okay. He kind of gets knocked out of the way. He does. Yeah. Okay. So
1: he doesn't get the full brunt of the
0: blast. Yeah. Um. And that's it. For Ebediah falls oh. into the reactor, and bye, bye, Jeff Bridges. Right.
1: But he doesn't. I think he dies as as the villain should die. Still oh, yeah. angry to the end.
0: Absolutely. I it's love a it. Really good death. He's
1: not whiny or anything. No.
0: Time to have another press conference. I guess so. Yeah. Coulson has worked up a perfectly good alibi for Tony. Mm -hmm. We have a really nice scene with Pepper and Tony. Yep. Where he kind of says, remember that night? And we hear her version of that night.
1: Yeah. Are you talking about the night that we danced and went up on the roof and, and then you went downstairs
0: to get me a drink and you left me there by myself? Is that the night you're talking about? Mm Mm-hmm. And we forget, because we got caught up with... Because we're in Tony's story. Yeah,
1: the whole Tony story, right, exactly.
0: We know exactly what he did and Mm -hmm. why he did it, Mm -hmm. and we weren't thinking about Pepper just like he wasn't thinking about Pepper. Exactly. Tony gets up for the press conference, kind of stumbles around. I'm just not the the hero type, clearly, with this uh, laundry list of character defects, all the mistakes I made, largely public. And then finally... truth is... I am Iron Man. Boom. End of movie. I loved that when I saw it in the theater. I was like, yes. Yeah, that moment is so great. And so, particularly for people who don't know anything about the character and art, they all know comic characters, superheroes have secret identities. And so that moment, I think, for the non-Iron Man fan is great, too. Like, oh, my God, what does that mean? Yeah.
1: That's what's so interesting, Steve. I can't talk too much about Spider-Man Homecoming, so I don't want to ruin it or spoil it for you or for anyone
0: who's listening, but go see it. No, I want to. There are shades of this movie in that movie. As you know, there's been stuff going on in my life that has made going to see movies not so easy. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, But but this week, I think I'll be able to go see it. You should, and maybe even take care of it, because it's a fun movie. Oh, yeah, she wants to see it, too. Great. Do you think my kid can see it?
1: Yes, yes, yes. I think your kid can see it. Um, There's nothing that I can recall that's
0: overtly like terribly scary, Yeah, uh, because it's a high school kid's story. Okay. So, yeah. All right. Good to know. One more thing we have to talk about. Sure. Which, if we didn't stay for the credits, we might never have seen. Right. Which is, there's the little clip at the end of the credits (laughs) where we meet uh, Nick Fury, Agent of Mm S.H.I.E.L.D., and he mentions the Avengers Initiative. Who the hell are you? Nick Fury, Director of S.H.I.E.L.D. I'm here to talk to you about the Avenger Initiative. That's right. And this is where you know that Marvel Studios is is pointing, they are pointing to the bleachers. Yeah. They're saying, we are not stopping. Mm Mm-hmm. and f- and this, from this point forward, you have to stay till the end of fucking movies. Yes. And unless you check the internet to see whether or not there was something to stay for. You're like, is there going to be a thing? Yeah. Is there going to be a thing? Right. Yeah. Which I think Wonder Woman got away with because it yeah. was such a good movie
1: already without needing that kind of stuff. Yep. But yeah, it's great. It's a beginning. And there I think there's been a thing where if you watch the last Hulk movie with Ed Norton that you can see... Captain America in the ice. Like apparently he runs over or they fly over and you see a figure in the ice and supposedly Captain America. So yeah, this is the beginning of the whole Avengers thing.
0: Yeah. You know, we always talk at the beginning of the show that we're going to talk about the influence of the film Mm -hmm. today. Mm -hmm. Well, I think there are few movies more influential than this because this is the beginning of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And that, this idea, so it used to be that the studios were aiming to have a franchise. You know, since Star Wars and things like Die hard and yeah. all this is like we want a movie where we can do sequels. Yep. Yeah. That is not what they're aiming for anymore. Mm-hmm. Now the ultimate prize is to have a universe. Yeah. And this idea has driven literally billions of dollars to be spent trying to replicate which I think there are only two of in my opinion which mm-hmm. is which is Star Wars and Marvel Wow, yeah. you know those are the two really this is a universe that yep. we're going to make all sorts of properties out and and, and Marvel is huge mm-hmm. I mean when I was a kid or even in high school and college and even in grad school we dreamt of the idea that's, that the world, the whole world would know about these great characters mm-hmm. that we loved mm-hmm. and we kind of knew that it would never really happen and now it's happening.
1: Yeah, what's you know? amazing about Marvel, Steve, is that they've taken these kind of lesser known characters. They've done this without Spider-Man. They yep. did this without Spider-Man. They've done Thor. And without X-Men. And without X-Men. They've done Thor. They've done uh, Iron Man. They've done Guardians of the Galaxy. They've done Doctor Strange, Ant-Man. These are the smaller
0: characters and they've made them, and the Avengers obviously, they, made them, they brought them all to life and really made it work. Well, and one of the things that's so brilliant about Marvel is they're not trying to replicate the same movie. Mm-hmm. Is that Thor has a different style than Iron Man and then you 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 go to Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm it's just a completely different thing. And right. I'll, the Deadpool's not part of this group because it's in the, right. but it's also like the the willingness to not do the same thing. And yeah. if you look at the Netflix shows, which are super dark, absolutely, they're going, no, no, we're a Marvel story is not one genre. Yeah, We actually can tell really, really different kinds of things, yep. which is what you saw particularly post-Dark Knight yeah. with comic books yep. is that we can have Sandman and all this stuff. Yes, absolutely. Right. So what are your final thoughts on, oh. Iron Man.
1: Well, here's the deal. Uh, Because it's the week of Comic-Con, even more so just high, just connected to this movie. And I'm so happy we broke the rule for this movie. I think it's a good movie to break it with because it, it led to so many things afterwards. But the movie itself, people sometimes forget, the movie itself is fantastic. And I enjoy the uh, character development. I enjoy the writing. I enjoy the connection of the characters to each other. I enjoy the story. And yeah, there are some cop-outs in certain moments, but it's never enough to take away from the overall magic of the movie. And that's what I think this movie is, more than anything else. It's magic. And it's because... Robert Downey Jr. is such a fantastic Tony Stark, an incredible Iron Man, and you naturally gravitate to this guy because for all his hubris and everything else, he has charm, he has vulnerability, he has an authentic heart inside of himself, and it's discovering himself. The whole movie is him discovering who he really is because he'd been using these other ways of being this smart you know, drinking, having sex with these women, doing whatever, to kind of not be real. And he had to be woken up to see what was actually going on in his world. And you see this throughout the movie, in his friendships, in his relationship to Obadiah and how it changes. And then ultimately in the end, I think what's fantastic about the movie is it's a great
0: time. It's just a great time for two hours and five minutes. So I've often mentioned uh, this idea of great movies that ruined Hollywood. (laughs) Yes, you do. You know, and talked about Star Wars and Die Hard and Silence of the Lambs and, (laughs) and these movies that are so iconic and so powerful that Hollywood has changed and spent so much time and money trying to replicate those things. Yeah. To, and, and created really a lot of not so good movies. Okay. I'm not putting this on this list because I don't actually think it's a great movie. Wow. What? I think it's a good movie. Wow. That is elevated by a great performance. Interesting. Yeah. I think if you took Robert Downey Jr. out mm-hmm. and you put in a solid good actor. Sure. This is a B movie. Okay. I don't mean a B movie like a B, like a genre. I mean like like it's great. It's kind of, it's a B. It's fine. It's Mm -hmm. good. Robert Downey Jr. takes this up so far that it gets up into, for me, it's like an A minus. You know, I don't think it's a great movie. I really like it. It's really fun. Mm -hmm. But in terms of importance this movie is as important a film as has come out in the last decade. Agreed. And that's why why I was really eager to do it and to do it for Comic-Con. It's definitely worth talking about. And what I think, too, is that this is the beginning. Yeah. And we're going to get better and better films out of the Marvel Cinematic Universe from this point forward. Absolutely. Yeah yeah so that's what we think about Iron Man of course we always like to hear what you think you can visit us on Facebook at The Cinephile C-I-N-E-F-I-L-E-S you can subscribe to us on Stitcher on YouTube where we'd love to get your comments and on iTunes where we want to get your reviews yeah. and we've launched our Patreon page we've been overwhelmed by the support you've all shown you can go to Patreon.com slash The Cinephiles and, uh, and pledge your support we've got a lot of nice offers coming mm-hmm. in there we, we're going to do movies that are from people we have new audio clips in fact I'm going to post one today as we're recording that great this um, and uh, as always you can reach me at SR Morris John where can they reach you you can always reach
1: me at the Roka says R-O-C-H-A on Twitter and on Instagram Um, Collider Movie Talk 10 a.m. every Friday uh, uh, Thrones Talk on uh, Sundays now and Mondays for Game of Thrones uh, for the rest of the season oh I can't wait yeah we're doing that Um, and then uh, of course the Outlaw Nation podcast on the SK Plus podcast channel and by the time you hear this episode The top 10 show will have come out. First episode dropped on Tuesday. We are back. Matt Nost and I are back on the SK Plus podcast channel as we were meant to be, two dudes talking movies, shooting
0: the shit about our lives. Yes, can't wait for that. And there's one more thing I want to do that I haven't done in a really long time, maybe not for real since our very first episode, so oh. I want to plug my own movie. Yes, please. Yes, so so uh, we've heard me talk about it, but The Assistants, which stars Joe Montaigne, Jane Seymour, and Stacey Keach, is a story of a bunch of young Hollywood assistants who try to con their own movie into existence, right. and uh, all sorts of bad stuff happens to them. <laughs> um, and I'd love you to check it out. Uh, It's available on iTunes. You can rent it there. Since so many people have been so great in supporting the show, I'd love to hear what you think of the assistance. I'm not saying it's worthy of being a cinephile, but it's a movie. I'm really proud of it. Fair enough. All right, so that's it for this week. We will see you next time on The Cinephiles.